Hello and welcome to Fair Game, the podcast with a firm focus on Irish sportswomen coming to you on the Tall Tales Network. I'm Shauna Cook. And I'm Emily Glenn. Before we get into this episode, we have a big ask for you guys this week. We would be forever grateful if you could subscribe, rate and review the podcast on iTunes or wherever you find your podcasts. It's not just something you hear podcasters say, it really helps us spread the word about Fair Game. And if this is your first episode of Fair Game, you'll also find a full archive of episodes on iTunes, Android, Stitcher and Spotify. Sharing episodes links on Twitter, Facebook and Insta also helps spread the word. So send it on to your friends, family and clubmates who you might think enjoy it. And follow us on Twitter at FairGameCast to stay up to speed on everything happening in women's sports on and off the field. So imagine you're a tennis player. You're working your way through the ranks and you've gotten into Wimbledon. Maybe it's your first time playing at this iconic tournament and your dreams of playing at Centre Court are finally coming through. Those dreams of your family watching you perform, starched white tennis kid and all. And then suddenly, terror strikes. Well, not quite terror, but your period. It's okay, you can deal with this. It's not your first time you've been lapping around in white tennis shorts during your period. But then the cramps come. And what painkillers can you take that are admissible? Ideally, you'd sleep off this wave of fatigue, but that's not an option mid-tournament. The other side effects are the ones you're really worried about. Changes in body temperature, being faster to fatigue, and maybe even a loss of coordination. Then there's the urine drug test afterwards, the thoughts of which are just making you cringe. That's exactly what happened to British tennis ace and British number one Heather Watson when she spoke out about how her period affected her poor performance in the Australian Open in 2015. Heather Watson was one of the first and is still one of the few sports stars to talk openly about how this last taboo affected her performance. But we're joined today by two women who are serious about breaking down the stigma around menstrual health for female athletes. Joining us today in the Fair Game Hot Seat is Dr Sharon Madigan, Head of Sports Performance Nutrition in the Irish Institute of Sport, which is currently undertaking some serious research into how PMS affects athletic performance. Welcome to Fair Game, Sharon. Thank you. And in the other fair game hot seat is Grania Conifray, the brains behind the Fitter Woman and Fitter Coach apps, the world's first apps to provide daily training and nutrition suggestions tailored to the menstrual cycle for athletes and coaches alike. Grania, welcome to fair game. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Sharon, we're going to jump right in. Menstrual health and periods is often described as the last taboo in sport. Why do you think that is? Oh, um maybe because there's a lot of men in sport possibly um it's maybe something that they don't really want to get into but i do think that's changing um but i think it probably needs to come from the female um to change that rather than than the other way around um and i think if if women are happier to talk about it and get it out there and and discuss it then i, I think that will make men more comfortable with it as well so i i, I don't think it's either or i think it's probably a combination of both to be honest really. Yeah and probably because there's a bit of an awkwardness around the topic um, you know there also isn't I suppose as much access to research and can you tell us why research is so important? Well I think I suppose research is an interesting thing especially in sports science, sports medicine, um, any sports nutrition, any of the um, research or the scientific disciplines and I, I think um, one of the the reasons probably why um, there's a lot of research in let's say for example meals is because you can control for things um, so control in, in terms of your subjects um, no external factors no internal factors um, that makes your results much more um, you know you can uh, it is what it is 
when you take female research into it, and I think this is an interesting, you, you have to take hormonal um, patterns within the menstrual cycle into consideration because it does have a, a, an impact. So it becomes very tricky. Um, so the logistics of actually doing um, female research is quite difficult. So, for example, um, are you day one of your menstrual period? Are you day 28? <laughs> so you have to factor in all of that. So I think, yes, there is female based research out there. A lot of the research is done on males. Um, but I think that will change, um, obviously. And, and obviously, if we're looking at um, hormonal uh, research, then uh, and female female hormone research then we obviously have to use female of the species um i think menstrual health has often been cited as a a reason to hold back female athletes it was often cited as you know you couldn't do an endurance sport because of the effect that it would have on your reproductive capacity um and i read an article about the first time the marathon distance for women was introduced in the 1984 olympics and it was it wasn't allowed up until that time for that exact reason because it was thought that uh yeah, women couldn't run that distance without risking their reproductive health. Um, so if we had a, a really robust piece of data about performance and linking performance and menstrual health, what could we potentially do with that information? I suppose for me, one of the reasons why it might have been a concern is that one one of the side effects of endurance sport and not dealing with it properly is that females lose their periods. So if that gets out, people may be concerned as to what what was the cause of that? Mm-hmm. So is this cause or effect or, or and maybe before the ra- reasons and the research and the knowledge has improved as to why that might happen? Um, so again, in terms of, uh, you know, ec- a lot of exercise, hard training, um, uh, maybe uh, the energy piece or the calorie piece to fuel that, not enough of that to fuel what you're trying to do. Um, stress, all of these things can have a serious effect on reducing um, the female sex hormones, which then has a knock-on effect then in terms of menstrual function. So maybe before a lot of the information that's starting to gain a bit of momentum um, now in the last 10, 5 years up to present day I suppose maybe people were in the dark as to why exactly it was happening Um, and you know the thing about it is it's still out there that actually unless you train hard enough to lose your period you're actually not training hard enough and that still exists that 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 idea kind of is still out there both from athletes and from coaches, be them male or female. So that still exists out there, that that we've got to get over that. Excellent. And, you know, the advice we get from fitter woman does exactly as you say, it takes the guesswork out of training and performance, looking at how to optimise how female athletes can train consistently at a high level and not be whacked out of sync for a quarter of the month. Can you give us an overview of what kind of changes that a person might experience as, as part of a normal menstrual cycle? Yeah, sure. Um, Yeah, definitely. Uh, So we kind of look at the cycle as a whole and um, everyone, obviously, if they're talking about their period, there's those certain days in your cycle when you're going to be really affected then. But we like to say that it's kind of you could be affected throughout the whole cycle. But um, there are things you can do to kind of take advantage or adjust your training and your nutrition um, to maybe handle your session better. Uh, So for like for one example, um, in the first half of your cycle, just after your 
after your period and right before ovulation, your energy levels are starting to rise. Um, with it, estrogen, um, your um, ability to handle your sessions is going to be higher, your pain thresholds uh, is higher as well. So you're going to be able to handle a, um, a harder session at that time. Um, but uh, we also say then in the second half of your cycle, you were just for another example, um, protein breakdown is higher, and, um, sorry, muscle breakdown is higher. Um, so you might want to increase the amount of protein you're having in that half of your cycle, um, just to be able to you know, support your recovery from any kind of intense session. Um, but also there's loads of things um, where you can link your nutrition to better um, support yourself as well. So if you might be suffering from PMS at certain times, you can um, increase the amount of antioxidant food that you have in your diet to help reduce the amount of inflammation, which is kind of linked to PMS as well. Um, so throughout your whole cycle, we kind of look at different things you can do no matter where you are. Um, and uh, just to support your body and get the best out of your training. It's amazing. We've got a whole section on how you deal with coaches later, uh, which I can't wait to get stuck into. Um, Sharon, you work with some of Ireland's most elite uh, and iconic athletes in the Institute of Sports. Can you give us an insight into how you factor their menstrual cycles into the work you do with them? Um, well, like it's a primary part of our, our investigation. And actually what I would say for a lot of the female athletes or any female athlete is that you can actually use it to your benefit. <laughs> it's actually a, an independent um, uh, marker that males don't have. So if you use it in that, if there's any changes in it, there's something not quite right. So, for example, one of the questions I'll always ask is, so obviously, first and foremost is, are they on the oral contraceptive pill, um, which changes things then automatically then as well. Um, but if they're not, I'll be asking them, is their cycle regular? Um, does it ever change? So when their training load goes up, does their frequency, does the menstrual period lengthen in terms of days? So if they've normally a 28 or a 30 day cycle that would be a normal cycle if it moves out to 35 or 40 days or even more maybe when their weight drops down then that indicates to me there's a, an issue with their energy or their food intake they're not fueling their their training appropriately so it's a really good way of um, managing that and yes there are times potentially when either the competition load goes up or the training load goes up and for example they may have to drop their weight a little bit to get get into a racing weight or competition weight um, and we see that the cycle days go out to 60 days let's say for example so that means that we drop 12 menstrual periods down to six um, we don't want that um, because then that's in the long term affecting some of the hormones then that has a knock-on effect on bone health so I'll say to them okay I'll potentially accept <laughs> um, a short space of time where that is out wider or longer but that has to come back in very very quickly and if you're not eating enough to fuel the training that we need to get the fueling in to get that menstrual period back to your 28 day cycle so it's a really good if, if and it does work like that. it 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 can work like that so from my point of view actually females can use it to their benefit something that males don't have which is a weird thing to say, but it is good. Um, if it's not there at all, then that's a worry, right? Yeah. So that's a, a real worry. And actually, it's very interesting because then I will check things like iron deficiency anemia, look at their iron levels. And actually, sometimes would you believe um, 
when I see a normal iron, <laughs> I'll ask them about their period because quite often what you find is that their iron levels are normal because they're not having a period. So generally one of the reasons that women are more at risk of having iron deficiency anemia is because they have menstrual periods. So that will be a red flag for me um, in that, hmm, that's interesting, they're doing quite a lot of training, Um, they're they're not on any iron supplements and suddenly we have a normal iron, but actually when you investigate further there's an issue in terms of uh, we haven't had a period. Sharon, just going back to the nutritional perspective there, can you give us an idea what kind of changes are typical in an athlete's dietary requirements when menstruating? Um, in terms of their actual um, requirements per se, there's not really a huge amount of differences in that particular time. I think the 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 nutritional picture is very much more in the bigger picture so it's all of the time um i think the key thing is that we sufficiently train or we sufficiently fuel what we're doing to ensure that we can keep the um uh, estrogen um, particularly these estrogen levels up you know so when we have energy availability issues or or not enough fuel for the body to um, sustain its own biological functions, then it's one of the first things to go because it's actually a protection mechanism. You're not able to sustain reproductive function, therefore the risk of having a baby is lower, so you're there by protecting yourself. Um, So I think the key thing is that there's obviously a fueling issue um, overall. And, And what it tends to be is that people are generally very good at measuring, you know, they kind of say, well, I've done a session that's 700 calories, for example, that, you know, there's lots of apps, there's lots of ways, garments, Fitbits, um, whatever. But they're counting that as part of what the normal day to day is. So they're not really saying what it is, is what's left over, how many calories are left over after you've done your two training sessions. And they're not really factoring that in. I think that would be probably something you would see. They're not factoring that in. So what happens is, if you think about it, if there's a pot of money here and you take out that big pot, big amount of money, and then you've got this little small amount left, that's what's left over to run your bone health, to run your um, hormone health, to run all the other functions that are going on. And what happens is that females and all athletes, males included, um, they can do this for a period of time and then suddenly there really is nothing left in the overdraft facility. So there's, it's it's all over and then that's where we start to get the risks of um, injury and sickness. Yeah, under like underperforming as yeah. well. As yeah, massive. that comes first, kind of yeah. um, not being able to sustain performances, not under. You know, why is this? Why is that happening? It's such an indicator of like overall health as well, because yeah. um, obviously things like stress and travel as well, they could they've um, they can put your cycle out of whack as well. So it's just it's a really unique thing that women have. So let's, let's take advantage of it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and what about supplements? Do you recommend any in particular in relation to menstrual health? Well, I think I suppose just as you've said, um, Gronya, there, you know, one of the things that can help um, is is things like antioxidants or anything that can reduce that inflammatory burden. So, you know, I suppose we go for a food first approach in all of the things that we do because um, a supplement kind of maybe just deals with one particular thing. Whereas if I'm if I'm trying to 
cover the big picture, the broader um, base. I'll, I'll be wanting to get the calorie intake right, but I'll also be wanting to maybe look at your fruit and veg, your um, omega-3 fatty acids has been shown to be beneficial in terms of you know reducing that inflammatory burden, which can help some of the symptoms, which may then avoid athletes then using another option, which is something like the oral contraceptive pill then to try and manage symptoms. And any examples of foods you get those? Oh, well, your fruit and veg, your oily fish, nuts and seeds, you know, so they would be kind of your eat the rainbow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, cherry juice is yeah, another one. Yeah, <laughs> cherry juice actually. And then there may be um, added benefits then of things like beneficial in terms of sleep and stuff too so and again that's one of the symptoms that people would say disrupted sleep yeah yeah. you can't get you can't get like your eight hours and if you're an athlete it's really important to get your sleep so it's just it's again it's like knowing as well when you might be affected and when you can kind of take action at certain points it's a big it's a big important thing for athletes as well I think that's one of the things I really enjoy about the fitter app is that it is really holistic in its advice like it's not just you know okay don't do your long run session today or you're better you you get more benefit out of strength training today than you will of something else but it's it's that your sleep focus on this here's some suggested food up your intake of carbs love any advice that tells you to eat more carbs (laughs) but we get that a lot (laughs) but something I don't know about I don't know about you but I am an absolute wagon for at least a couple of days around my cycle um And I find on those days that going on a run of any type is just too much because I find the headspace too negative. I find it's just too much of a kind of an emotional ask. Um, And I'm better at doing stuff like a yoga class or something that is instructor led. So I don't have to manage myself. You can shout at someone. Yeah, or they can shout at me. It's like it's one of the two. I mean, that's fine when you're a weekend warrior like myself. But when when you're dealing with the mental when you're dealing with the mental game the mental impact of you know pms and menstruation must be like must be huge is that something that athletes have to deal with as well yeah massively like we find as well a lot of um our elite athletes and the athletes we work with they'll prepare for everything around competition time they won't prepare for their period to fall on that day which is crazy so one of the things um we're working with a few of our female athletes and we're actually trying to kind of go through their cycle with them highlight the pinch points for them and then come up with strategies around like right here's what to do if um like an athlete they might not actually be affected during their period it might be some mid-cycle it might be at certain points so it's all kind of individual and then we'll come up with a strategy for that athlete and look at different scenarios and what they what they can do to kind of reduce the impact and get the best out of their performance on that day so it's it's definitely like a consideration for them and it's usually uh, (laughs) not the top one but we definitely want to kind of focus in and make sure it doesn't impact I've been there my debut for the Irish team I got my period the morning (laughs) and it was just uh, like the whole day it was it's probably in the back of your head and yeah. it was in the front of my head like, okay. <laughs> I just couldn't think about anything else because it was in Tallis Stadium my family were coming along it was a roasting hot day and like I wasn't allowed to wear cycling shorts and yeah it was just and it was like anyone I kind of said it there was like oh unlucky yeah yeah you know? get, get on with it yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. there's no other kind of strategy or anything there it's just yeah so I, yeah it, it is tough and I suppose the next question is in relation to research and it, there's an indication that um, athletes could be at higher risk of injury sometimes in the month. Yeah, um, so um, just I'll kind of talk for the research side of things, um, based on our sports scientist research. <laughs> um, so the midpoint in your cycle when estrogen starts to rise, uh, joint laxity actually um, increases. So women 
um, are more susceptible to ACL or ligament type injuries than men in general, but then at certain times in the cycle, especially that midpoint, um, that susceptibility is actually higher again. Um, which is really, really important for for women because it's such a it's a killer killer injury, especially like an ACL type injury. You could be out for months. Um, but what we want to do is kind of highlight that and bring the awareness to it, and then come back and then with some actions and some um, some things to take where before and after training to kind of reduce your risk. So we kind of say, you know, make sure you're. Um, you are including um, a really kind of thorough warm up um, pre session, and maybe like if the session includes a lot of short, kind of sharp, sudden changes in movement, maybe just try and move away from that a bit and do other types of um, activities on that on those days, and then also make sure you know your recovery is up you're getting a good uh warm down after a session um but you're also nutrition there you're kind of refueling your body um you're maybe like taking collagen at that time to kind of help with your ligament recovery um and soft tissue recovery so it's it's really important for uh, female athletes like specifically to to know when they're at risk so you know there's some evidence in in terms of looking at um you know the increase in collagen which is a type of protein or amino acids so again that may help in introduce that into the the soft tissues so therefore preventing any injuries that may occur and you know what then if you take it in something like jelly um, you're hitting some of your other requirements as well so it's not just and, and again if fatigue is one of those things that you may be a risk of doing something silly then you're hopefully um, hitting that particular tick in that box as well the fatigue is a real deal it is a real deal. Um, and what kind of advice would you both give to athletes who are trying to accommodate that variation in energy? Because there's at least a week a month where I could run marathons every day. Yeah. Uh, and then there's another week where really struggling to do pretty much anything. Um, I suppose from... Uh, I'll have athletes that, you know... Um, they struggle to actually eat, would you believe, in, in terms of possibly a couple of days leading into their menstrual period. They actually feel quite nauseous, quite sick. Um, some athletes will throw up um, and that's due to things like pain, which obviously then has a knock on effect. And then other athletes, and it may not be around uh, the menstrual period, it may be ovulation. Um, there could be then increases in, let's say, carbohydrate, or they feel as if they could eat all around them, or just before. So this is very individual as well. So I think um, athletes really need to know what, what, how it affects them. I think is the best thing. Um, again, you know, if you're training very hard, don't feel guilty about having. <laughs> because it's it's hard enough <laughs> so I think by introducing and I think there is an element of that I'm not sure if you would have experienced this but there's certainly an element of athletes do feel guilty if they feel as if they're eating around them and they probably are not that's the kind of um, yes maybe they've had an extra chocolate biscuit that they may not necessarily have had but that's okay because in the big swing of things we can actually factor that in as well so I think don't do guilt over that is probably something that we could get off the, a monkey off our back straight away um, and, and if you're running you know if you're training quite hard you just you put that all into the mix and, and it will benefit you in the end of the day because you're probably going to use it up anyway at some point that's the thing I really enjoy about the Fitter Woman app is that it prompts you to think about things that I just thought were 
oh god I must be a bit tired today it must have been yesterday's session or you know but it prompts you to think about things in a in a way that you can identify then as a pattern yeah so because I would never have considered that before I would never have tracked it like that yeah because the information it, it's so like it's it's absolutely brilliant I, I loved it when I was talking to Georgie but again I was like how do I apply this to myself like where I don't want to have to go and like look this up every time I want to find something out or find out what I should be doing so that's kind of why we wanted to pull it all together pull all that research together hopefully keep updating it as the research continues um, but make it more actionable so it's it's quite nice to know where you are in your cycle what you might be feeling and then what you can do about it to kind of support yourself Is there any type of exercises that influence that the kind of pains during periods or heaviness um well i think exercise helps full stop to manage mm-hmm. pain particularly um and maybe some of the other um you know and I, I suppose that's i would see that as really important particularly for younger girls that may not be at the elite end of the spectrum um i think it's important for them to understand that actually if they are in a lot of pain that by doing a little bit of exercise it's actually going to help because it will it will help number one take their mind off mm. um, release some endorphins you know, yeah and yeah. release some of the the, the endorphins that will help with um, managing that as well so um, I think there's probably education required around that younger group mm-hmm early stage athletes that maybe have just started their periods as well um, and th- that's important for them to be aware that you know what actually getting yes it might be awkward you might be in pain but when you're actually out there and and over that it it, it does help um and what about the the days where you kind of you need to rest you just I mean what you really want is a hot water bottle and a nap is there anything to be said for indulging that side or is the advice to just power through I mean I would say um again individual if that's what you want to do is what's good for you on that day do that um but um what we love to do is try and uh, prevent those impacts so we we try to say like a couple of days before you know maybe um again like increase anti- antioxidants um make sure you're fueling correctly like get out and exercise before you might feel like that and then you're probably like less likely to go to end up in that's <laughs> that scenario because um what we're always kind of like you know um exercise is going to help um, even if it is like you were saying, a yoga class or something like that, it's still going to help. It's still going to release those endor- endorphins and reduce stress. So there's, it's a bit of both. It's um, whatever suits you in that day and whatever works for you. And doing research for this episode, we read that there are a number of dietary changes that can influence things like heaviness of flow and cramps. Is that true? And if so, is there any kind of foods in particular? What are these foods? Um, so one of the things that we found as well is in the later half of your cycle, um, inflammation is a bit higher. So there are foods then like maybe foods that are overly processed or kind of like uh, fatty foods, um, just like fried foods and that kind of thing that actually can um, exasperate those uh, those symptoms. So it's kind of better to avoid those symptoms or those foods at that time. The five guys today. <laughs> so we're going to pivot a little bit and talk about coaches and the role of the kind of the coach athlete relationship and how to introduce conversations around menstrual health as an athlete. We've all heard, I'm sure, that story about the England women's hockey team who made menstrual cycles a major part of their training and discussions as a team. Their cycles were tracked for a whole year prior to their 2018 uh, Rio Olympic bid and their training was adjusted accordingly. Um, 
Sharon, we'll start with you, if that's okay. From your perspective in the Institute of Sport, what kind of adjustments would a trainer or a coach make to the athlete's time of the month? And how do you manage that in a team? I think it'd be tricky enough, um, to be honest. Um, I suppose that's very much, I think, for the athlete and the coach to really um, try and manage that. But again, that that comes with the confidence of the the athlete to to be happy to talk about that like so for example you know I have no problems in raising so long as the athlete's happy with me to to discuss that with the the coach or the PD will will certainly it'll be part of the conversations um I think the athlete themselves are going to have to um try and negotiate those waters with um with their coaches or with their training um people to to say listen but again that sits down in 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 the periodization of a training cycle and i think that needs to be factored in there for for females and i'm not sure if of all athletes are doing that yet i think certainly there are some athletes that are at that level that they're very happy very comfortable to do that and 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 they're aware of it um the other problem I think we have in here as well is the use of oral contraceptive pills that's ma- masking lots of different things. Mm-hmm. It's used to manage pain. Um, you know, at the end of the day, that's not a real period. It's a withdrawal bleed. So it's telling us nothing. Um, so we, we've got to, there's lots of athletes that are going on to these um that, that management system very early in their careers and they continue on and on for a long period of time. You know, I think there there's some serious looks need to be looked at to say, is there no better way to do this? Um, because you've just, like, oestrogen is great. It, it mm. is the elixir of life. <laughs> um, it's progesterone as well. <laughs> yeah, but the point is, that's what you're doing. You're, you're dumbing down. Um, you know, you're effectively putting yourself into, and if you look at people like Kirstie Elliott-Seale and um, Karen Hind, are quite big researchers in this particular area, they're saying you're effectively inducing a menopausal state, you know, when you're taking the oral contraceptive pill. So it you know, starting at 18 or 19 or 16 or, you know, that has a serious implication potentially for bone health. Yeah, massive, because it can, it can also like hide uh, certain dysfunctions as well, because the withdrawal bleed's not a period. So you'd never know if that athlete um, j- doesn't have a regular cycle, you might think. but. So one of the things that if I have concerns over their fueling or their overall patterns, it will be something I will ask them to do. Now that becomes a tricky situation as well because if you're going into competition you probably don't want to change anything quite significantly so um there there's lots of choppy waters to negotiate in that particular conversation um and i suppose at the end of the day i'm looking at the welfare and health of the athlete in the longer term as well as obviously the performance but if you're getting if you're underperforming if you are possibly getting injured if you're getting sick and we have concerns potentially over your ability to fuel the training load and you're not able to step back on your training load then it it's a big question that has to be put out there and because if if you withdraw the oral contraceptive pill and there's no menstrual cycle then we have difficulties. Granny, can you tell us why it was so important to bring out the Fitter Coach app? Yeah um, so I guess uh, since we lost, we, since we launched Fitter Woman, um, 
it was great we got a huge amount of feedback and um, a lot of people loved it and then we got um, all of a sudden coaches started to get in contact with us they wanted to know like how they could apply it um, to the training sessions how they they could help their athletes um, but also like how they can talk to their athletes how can they broach the subject um, and the funny thing you mentioned earlier the minute you break um, uh, the minute you break that kind of taboo and everything around it everyone's far more comfortable um, in the office predominantly men we constantly talk about the menstrual cycle <laughs> which is great but um, it's it's again it's daunting for a male coach maybe of a female team to have that conversation um, and again they don't have the a lot of the time they can't have the resource there to find out um, what they should do so that kind of that kind of uh, led us down the path towards Fitter Coach. We wanted to be able to provide the coach with the information um, that's in Fitter Woman, but um, maybe more around how they can slightly uh, adapt training at a squad level. Um, and like I mentioned earlier, when some athletes might need um, an additional warm up, you can kind of see which athletes need that little warm up, need that little boost, or need that change maybe in some of their training, some of the drills they're doing. Um, so we wanted, yeah, we, we kind of developed out for our coach. Um, we saw the need there to kind of educate coaches and give them all this information, but uh, again, make it actionable, um, let them see where their squad is and yeah, how they can take action, how they can support them. And I suppose we were talking there about, you know, there being a lot of male, you know, coaches and, and managers and so I suppose for any coach maybe thinking that, um, you know, that time of the month might just be an athlete pulling back a bit and relaxing or, or coasting a bit. What kind of, um, like it, the adjustments and, and changes, like um, how can they kind of influence, you know, uh, the athlete's training or performance? Um, I think one of the things is just to like highlight the awareness, highlight this is what this athlete might be feeling right now. Mm-hmm. It might not be all the athletes, but some of them might might be feeling certain things. Some of them might be experiencing symptoms. Yeah. Um, some of them, you know, they might have heavy legs, which again, if they're doing like a really intense session, they might not be able to hit the numbers they want to hit. So one of them is just, first of all, bringing the kind of awareness there um, and allowing the coach to kind of understand what's happening. So they don't have questions going, why is this athlete slacking? Like, what, what's happening here? Um, the athlete then is more comfortable as well. Um, that the coach knows what's happening and they can kind of uh, work together then to get the best out of that session for that athlete. So I think awareness is one thing and then having those kind of little actionable bits of information. Um, So for instance, like in the later half of the cycle, um, that athlete might be able to do um, as or lift as heavy weights, so you but sorry, but the athlete can get the same benefit from uh, like if they're doing a strength session by just lowering the like the weights and the reps, um, and then in the first half of the cycle, the athlete might actually do better increasing them. So it's just it's just slightly um, we want all the athletes to do a session, but maybe just slightly adjust it. Excellent. One of the things I really like about the Fitter Woman app, I should be sponsored by Fitter Woman. Yeah, I know. (laughs) I wish I brought you a water bottle or something. (laughs) That's great. Um, Yeah, one of the things I really like it is that it also gives you the the kind of language to talk about these things. Like, because I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have known that things like heavy legs were a symptom rather than just a reflection of uh, training load or, you know, an interruption in sleep pattern um or and even things like body temperature like I found that so because and they're also then I I assume from a coach's perspective you know things that you can talk to an athlete about specifically um we had Kelly Harrington on the podcast actually last year and she 
told us about how openly it was spoken about in her gym and how, you know, this is just a, a part of her training cycle. Um, and it was, I was really taken aback by it because I, I think of boxing as a really macho sport. Um, and it wasn't the coach athlete relationship I was anticipating hearing about. Um, obviously massive assumptions made on my part before Kelly walked in. Um, but is it the same in kind of all sports? You, I know, Grani work in fitter women with a, with many different athletes from different sports. What do you think? Is it something that's growing or is it still unique to certain sports that we're, we're seeing greater awareness on behalf of the coaches? I think the awareness is definitely growing. It's definitely like it's definitely increasing. Um, but there's obviously still a lot more to do. But it's fantastic. Like even the media coverage is is improving. Um, a lot of other female athletes have come out and talked about men's cycle and their effects on performance. Um, and coaches are seeing this and kind of trying to take action there. So they, I think it's definitely like it's definitely increasing the amount of awareness. And um, I don't know sport by sport. I suppose um, like a team sport might be a bit more uh, people might talk a bit more in team sports than they do in it's always good to have a tribe and (laughs) someone else to (laughs) chat about it too um, more than individual sport but then you were saying boxing which is kind of more individual so I I guess yeah not too sure yeah maybe so we've spoken a lot about the effect of periods on performance um, and Sharon especially you've you've told us an awful lot about the uh, the stories of of female athletes who are maybe missing periods and and I suppose a question would be, how do you know when a change in your cycle is not just kind of a, a, something that happens naturally and maybe is uh, a signal that something more serious is wrong? I think any change, if, if normal is 28 days for you, okay, something like a flight or um, a sickness potentially can throw things out. Um, yes, stress can throw things out and competition might throw things out a little bit as well and probably as we've seen for the net more negative than it's like sod's law really type thing um but i think if if it's persistent for um a number of periods then you really need to to sort you you need to go and see about it and i think again you know what I would say to if I'm doing any work with younger athletes if you haven't had a period by the age of 16 there's something wrong so you know you you need to go and see about that so again it's making um it's making this idea that not having a period is great um for female athletes because that still persists that still persists and 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 it's kind of and and I have to say there's some seriously interesting messages floating around on Instagram and and I'm using interesting in a very loose interpretation here I would say quite dangerous um you know having a period is normal right anything other than that is not normal <laughs> um any induction of it a b or c to not have it is not normal so um I think th- that it's very important that people go and see about it. Number one, if they haven't had one. Number two, if they're missing it or the frequency of days is going out, then there's something not quite right there. Yeah, no, I was just saying, um, I definitely agree with that. And uh, funny enough, we uh, an athlete that came to us and said they went to their doctor and said um, that they didn't have a menstrual cycle for a number of months. And they kind of said, well, you're a female athlete, you know, that's to be expected. And that was... You know that that was it, whereas <laughs> we're kind of saying no. <laughs> no and that, regular but that's help. where we're coming from. That's the base that we're coming from, which is the 
it's kind of accepted that if you train really hard, you don't you don't have a period mm-hmm. or it's affected. Um, what I suppose I would be saying, and I think lots of other people are saying, is that that's the way it was. We we know so much more now, and that's not the way it should be. And the thing about it is, I think we have to really be positive and say that this is something that we can use to track our own um, our own training load and say there is something something's amiss and we can then look to see what the other red flag things are and and potentially going to see somebody um to go through what they may be and in quite a lot of respects it is simple mismatch of fueling and uh, you know once you get that right and it can be as well because people have decided that they have some idea about what their racing or competition weight is and unfortunately it's probably it's not suitable it it, both of them don't work together (laughs) so when actually maybe they put on um some weight or or body fat probably then their periods return almost immediately we had um, uh, Sinead Delhunty in a couple of weeks ago to talk to us about nutrition. She works with Fitter Roman, um, I know, and she was talking about the effects that amenorrhea, did I pronounce that right? Yeah. Bingo. <laughs> I'm practicing that all day. There's a uh, lot of them that uh, <laughs> didn't catch it. She's been, uh, yeah, she was talking about the her experience with amenorrhea and how she had to take a break from sport to kind of get her period and her menstrual cycle back to a, to a normal state. Um, what kind of effects can amenorrhea have on your body and and on your performance as an athlete yeah well i mean um it's a lot of it's uh, oftentimes linked to kind of overtraining and underfueling. so um as sharon was saying earlier like that might be fine for a little while but you can't sustain that forever so there's going to be um under you're going to be underperforming you're not going to have the energy there that um you need and that you're used to having uh, when you're competing um and then there's obviously long-term health uh, impacts as well around bone health so there's um there's yeah there's big implications there on uh, amenorrhea and um it's actually um one of the things that we try to highlight as well to coaches is when an athlete might be at risk of being in that category when they are um just more at risk because like we need to bring awareness and bring that cycle back to a regular pattern and i suppose what uh, you know if you the probability of developing menstrual dysfunction or amenorrhea is about 50% greater if you're not fueling your training. So across a week, athletes may be fueling their, thinking they're fueling their training. And the thing about it is a lot of athletes um, will say, oh, but my weight's stable. I must be okay. Weight sh- isn't an indicator that things are okay because actually what can happen is you can get um, increases in cortisol, which is a stress hormone, which actually has an impact on preventing weight loss and, you know, m- keeping athletes maybe a higher body fat composition than they would think and and what they're saying to themselves is I can't understand I'm training really hard I'm eating very little (laughs) and things are not changing that's exactly why they're not changing because they've put themselves into a serious physiological stress and the body's just slowing down their um, thyroid function changes so we get all of these it's it's almost like um, dominoes they just all are linked in together. So um, if they're and and that then puts a big risk. And again, depends when that happens. If if again, if a girl has amenorrhea, 
at 16 and 17 when they're going through major growth development in their bone health, that's going to have a big knock on effect on them in later life because the, the bones finish developing around about the age of 20 if you're lucky you need for them to be as strong as they possibly can be because that's going to do you for the rest of your days so it's like anything if you only put 10 euros in the bank and expect that that's going to do you for a long period of time well if you have a million euros in the bank by the age of 20 you're going to get a lot more out of that and that's what I would kind of use analogies we've got to lay down bone and and again coaches need to be aware of that as well that there's lots of things going on underneath the level of the skin that okay we want that result tomorrow or the next day but we've got to think about the bigger picture in the longer term um, athlete health too. And for any athlete who might be listening and thinking well you know that sounds like me is it possible to repair and recover from amenorrhea or are periods gone forever? No, absolutely not. Like, um, I have, I could safely say that in the last while I've had at least three or four text messages from athletes who have been willing to make changes and their periods, I call them period texts or emails, mm-hmm. um, where their period has returned very, very quickly. Um, by just making some small changes, which is fantastic. And and I suppose one of the things I'm saying to them when I see them is, I don't know when this is going to happen. It could be tomorrow or it could be next month or it could be three months. We don't know because it's a bit of a, um, well, it, Individual yeah, very much so. But it has happened relatively quickly. Um, so that's great. And once your oestrogen levels go back up, that is then therefore them protecting bone and making sure the bone's going to be healthy so um, we've got to see you know that it's a great tool <laughs> use it I love that reframing it's not something that will hold you back or something that you have to kind of another stress you have to manage it's actually it's actually something really beneficial that will tell you a lot about the state of your health yeah. um, but I suppose tracking your mental cycle isn't just for the elites and isn't just something that elite should be focused on um, and we've spoken an awful lot about the effects of mental health on elite performance um, but puberty is often a really challenging time for girls and it's a time when a lot of girls drop out of sports and um, we read that some uh, 54% of participants identified in a survey said that they have had to stop exercising as, res- as a result of their menstrual cycle uh, with this increasing to 73% for girls aged 16 to 24. Um, talk to us a little bit about why periods force girls to drop out of out of sport yeah there's uh god there's probably like a lot of a lot of different reasons so you might be um not feeling as like powerful and strong your energy might be lower but you also might be embarrassed and just worried about i know we're talking about tennis whites and if you have like certain like you know girls show for pee and they have to wear a certain uniform um and if that involves like white shorts they might want to play they might want to like to participate which is is crazy but also it's it's um the minute girls have puberty it's um it's all it's this kind of like an awkward phase where um they're starting to develop um you know hips and breasts as well and their coordination may not be as well so it they're just it's a lot of different things going on um that could definitely affect their kind of want to train i guess and how can the research that you're doing and apps like Fit Our Women help to reverse that trend? And more importantly, what can we do? Yeah, <laughs> um, definitely. I think just highlighting uh, education is a big thing, um, especially for like coaches, but also like in schools um, and young girls in schools. Um, 
like broaching the conversation with young girls because um, I, you know, I know when I was in school like very little people talked about it and a lot of the times you know you turn up for PE and there'd be like three notes handed to the coach and th- three girls sitting on the sideline just kind of watching um, so I think one of the things is definitely um, increasing the education there and providing some resources as well like just talking to them about you know what they can do what can help them and um, uh, I think bringing that awareness to coaches as well and our, our PE teachers or parents as well um, can just really support girls going through that. We started this podcast with the assertion that peers are the last taboo. How do we break down the stigma around that? I know we've we've talked a bit about uh, you like opening up the conversation and a lot of it has been directed at getting young girls talking about it. What about kind of young boys as well? Oh absolutely yeah I think so is like normalize it completely is the kind of aim of the game it just it breaks the stigma it breaks the taboo it's you know it's no longer a barrier to communication so that's definitely one I think um, both young boys and girls should be educated from a very young age. Fair game is exclusively about female athletes um, but it's actually not a topic we speak about in every episode we do long form interviews with athletes we talk about their training cycles their recovery we talk about everything uh, but we rarely mention periods um, and that's something that I think from here on out we as hosts should really address um, and I think periods should end a sentence and for us in Fair Game I think now they have started a bit of a broader conversation um, so it's something that we will commit to asking more often um, thank you for helping us to kind of realise the questions that we should ask our female athletes um, and yeah thank you for sharing your information with us today We've this has been mad interesting <laughs> I've learned so much, much. Thank you very much. Um, if people want to find you guys on social media what are your handles to, to find you oh yeah you can uh, it's at fitterwoman on uh, both twitter and instagram and I think it's at Madigan Sharon and I'm not sure actually <laughs> I we'll put it in the show notes yeah, but okay. I'm fairly sure it's at Madigan Sharon um, great thank you guys so much that was brilliant while you're on Twitter and Instagram looking for Fitter Woman and both Sharon Madigan at Madigan Sharon um, follow us too we're at Fair Game Cast on both Insta and Twitter there's so much live action involving Irish sports women to look forward to in the coming months that's where we'll provide you with all the info to get you out onto the sidelines finally a reminder to subscribe to the podcast on whatever app you're listening to us on be it iTunes Android Stitcher or Spotify that way you'll get the next one delivered directly to you that's all for this episode and we'll catch you again in two weeks time <laughs>